My name is David Keating. I am I'm a director, uh, so pitching is something that I have to do regularly. Um, what areas of the budget surprise you the most? <laughs> Above the line. <laughs> um, so pitching's very much you know, part of my working life. Um, and so we're going to be talking about some of the ways that we can approach doing this, uh, some of the pitfalls. Uh, and then in a little while, Gavin Humphreys, uh, we're going to have a conversation. Gavin has produced a huge number of short films, and he's currently in post on a feature. Uh, and so we're going to talk about his experiences. Um, to some degree, all I can talk about are my experiences. My experiences as a screenwriter. Uh, originally, I'm from Ireland, uh, then working here, started directing, working in the US, and working back here. Um, and those are the experiences that I draw from. But really, this session, for it to be useful to you guys, I think this is very much about you figuring out what works for you. Because what works for me may not work for you, but something similar may. Also, what's the situation you're in? What's the project you're pitching? So these are all variables. So this is very much about you going, oh, I think I could use that, or I wouldn't do that. I might do this. So this is very flexible. I'd love to know um, writers in the room. Are there, are there writers here? Yeah, great, good. <laughs> Yay. Uh, directors, what about directors in the room? Okay, fantastic. Fewer directors, yeah. Um, producers? Always good to have producers. So you notice all the directors and writers checking out where the producers are? <laughs> I was. Um, fantastic, any actors? What about people who come from an acting background? Is it, yes, good. It's always good. Crossover. Definitely. So I notice that uh, when I started pitching my projects, um, I was having a certain series of uh, things worked for me or things didn't work for me. And uh, gradually, my process changed. In fact, I noticed that I've changed my position on pitching quite a lot. Uh, my initial attitude to it was very, very simple. It was, you want me to talk about the project? Why don't you read the script? <laughs> Everything I've got to say about this is in the script. Read the script. And even then, actually, when I became a filmmaker and my films you know, went to festivals, and sometimes directors get asked to write you know, like a kind of artistic statement thing, and my attitude was, watch the film. I, everything I had to say about this, we kind of got into the film. But my position about this has changed, and, and, and it's, it's evolved. And, and probably the, the start of that evolution began uh, when I was making my first film, uh, which was being financed by a, a US distributor and production company, Miramax. And uh, I arrived into their offices in New York with the producer, and on the way in to see um, the boss, um, one of the executives sort of collared us and said, turned and said to me, so um, what's the one line on this? And 
I kind of looked at the producer and, uh, you know, slightly panicking. In my head, I was going, one line. I, I'm, I'm supposed to express this subtle, multifaceted, um, complex passion project in one line. And he looked, this guy looked at us and he said, well, listen, you know, if you can't say it in one line, uh, what are they going to put in the TV listings? <laughs> and, you know, I, I was just like, <clears throat> but like I said, my position on this has changed um, and evolved. And, and I've come to the point where I believe that simplicity is not the enemy of complexity. That just because we are making projects that are subtle, multifaceted, complex, does not mean that we can't say something simple and clear about them. And in fact, we have to be able to. We have to be able to say something simple and clear about our project for a very good reason. So let me ask you, let's just say that you go and pitch a project which you're looking for financing for, let's say. And it goes fantastically well. You go in, you pitch, it goes brilliantly well. What's going to happen next? What is the next most likely outcome of a really great pitch? I, I, I mean, I, I know we all love the idea that somebody's going to give us a sack of cash. But, but, and maybe that does happen. It's never happened to me. But what's the most realistic thing that happens as a result of a great pitch meeting? A request for some material, sure, yeah, yeah. And if all that goes well, what's likely to happen? I would say what's likely to happen as a result of a great pitch meeting is another meeting. <laughs> now, here's the thing. That's fine. That's good. Because what that is is it's all gone incredibly well. Would you please come back in and, you know, meet the team, meet my boss, meet whoever it is. Come and do this again, and you'll rework your pitch a bit just so that you're not repeating yourself or you'll add some more stuff in or you'll incorporate some of that, those, their ideas or whatever it is that you'll do for that next meeting. But get what, guess what? In between this first successful pitch meeting and this next meeting that you've now been invited to, there is going to be another meeting. But guess what? You're not there. You're not in the room. Even if that meeting takes place in a corridor, at a water cooler, on the phone. And the nature of that meeting is, hey, uh, you met with so-and-so this morning. Um, how did that go? And then that person that you met with says something about you and about your project, right? Now, what we all have to do in that first meeting that we have is to effectively deputize that person to speak on our behalf. We, we've won them over in that first great pitch meeting. And now we need them to do our job of pitching to somebody else, and we're not there. And that's why coming up with clean, insightful, clear things to say about our work is really, really important. Does that make sense? That notion that we have to empower the people that we are hopefully you know, going to team up with, that this is going to be really important.
So what is it that you are likely to say in a pitch? Well, what I thought we would do, I mean, I've, I've, I've put up a, a conversation, so I, I hope we're actually going to have a conversation. And in my view, pitches work best as a conversation. So even if, if you've got something to say or if you've got a question, just wave. And even if you don't want to wait until the microphone comes to you, I can always shout the question out. So I'm, let's, let's make this a conversation. So I sometimes think about all the various things that we can include in a pitch. So let me ask you, I mean, where do we pitch? Where do we physically pitch? Offices, right? Where else? Bar, where? Pub, did you say? Yes, my favorite. Um, yeah, festival bars, hotel lobbies, offices, corridors. What about you know, the famous elevator? <laughs> the elevator, what's an elevator pitch? It's, it's, it, it's as long as you've got in, in the lift, right? With somebody, you, you're in the lift, somebody else gets into the lift, you go, I've been trying to get hold of this person for a week or a month, uh, and I'm going to take this opportunity. The trouble is, you actually don't know which floor they're getting off on. So you, you don't know how long you have. So you're going to keep it very, very clear. And if at the end of the pitch, if at the end of one floor's worth of speech, comment, engagement, they say to you, I'd love to hear more. That's a result, right? So what are the elements that we might include in, in a pitch? Um, OK, so some of this is going to seem like incredibly basic, and, and, it, and it is. But guess what? When we're nervous, and I get nervous pitching, um, I, it's very, very easy to forget the basics. So say your name. <laughs> Hello, I'm David Keating. I'm the director on the project. You've no idea how useful that is when three or four or five of you march into an office and they're going, well, I know I'm seeing David, but which one's David? And he seems to have brought his gang with him. So you say your names and say what you do. Hello, I'm David. I'm the director on um, the title of the project. Um, I, I, I work with a great trainer sometimes, David Pope. He's fantastic. He says that uh, if you have a working title for your project, you're not working hard enough. Um, so, you know, say the name of your project. I, I think that may be being a little harsh, but if you've got a title, say it. Hello, I'm David Keating. I'm the director of um, The Bleeding Mask of BAFTA. <laughs> it's a feature film. It's a format. Um, and I might say the stage that it's at. Uh, we're, we're ready to shoot in September. So look at the amount of information that I've given you. Of course, apart from my name and what I do, and the fact that it's called The Bleeding Mask of BAFTA, and that it's a feature film, and what stage it's at, and that's just kind of one sentence. You might say that it's a comedy horror, or give the genre. We all know what genre is. So examples could be coming of age, drama, rom-com, sci-fi, comedy horror. That's what we might call genre splice. But in simple terms, for the storytellers, for the writers, directors, producers here, what do we call this at the beginning of a film or a TV show? 
the information that we give an audience. Exposition, right? So the exposition on a project is very simply just the information that you need to understand the story, right? A simple definition of exposition. The information that you need to understand a story, a script that you might be reading, or a limited drama series that you might be watching. Similarly, when we're pitching, we need to give basic information so that the person listening is hanging it all together. The period and setting. Why not get that you know, out of the way right away? So hello, I'm David Keating. I am the director of The Bleeding Mask of BAFTA. It's a comedy horror set in Piccadilly in 2022. It's uh, sci-fi also, futuristic. Um, look, I reeled that off, but it was quite a lot of useful information. And your listener is going, uh-huh, OK. You're, set, you're giving the appropriate exposition. Now, in pitching, um, I think if I had to choose one thing that I want to say when I'm pitching my projects, it's to do with theme. So let's just imagine you've said who you are, who you guys are, the team that's arrived. You've said the name of your project. You've said what it is. You've given the setting and the period and the genre. Saying something about its essence is of real value. Well, I mean, what do we mean by theme? I mean, if we, were, if we were theater makers, we would talk a lot about theme. As, as filmmakers, maybe less so. But what do we mean by theme? What about the guts of your project, the heart of your project, the essence of your project? It could be a message. It could be your opinion on a particular situation, theme. And I think the theme is one of the things, I'm calling it the juice of the project. It's one of the things that really conveys the nature. So ha being able to speak about that is incredibly valuable. Characters also, I mean, very often, at a certain point when, when we're talking about pitching, somebody will say to me, what about story structure? Would you talk about story structure? I mean, it's not that story structure isn't important, but is it really that important? I mean, how many times have you been walking out of a cinema and there's people in front of you and uh, one turns to the other and says, what an amazing structure. I mean, it, it, it does, I mean, you know, um, Pulp Fiction had a great structure, it was terrific. But I mean, what you really remember from Pulp Fiction or, or, or is, are, are the characters, aren't they? So to be able to say something engaging and powerful about the characters, uh, I think is really interesting and important. So what do we do when we talk about character in, in filmmaking? Well, you know, very often when we're, when we're talking about the, the, the characters that we've created, it's very easy to slip into um, their nationality, their ethnicity, their age, they will have a funny walk, they have a penchant for wearing flat caps. 
How much is that really telling you? So what about using proper writing tools to talk about your characters in pitches and generating something really quickly that you can say which has some real meaning? So how do we do that? Well, let's do it right now. Can, can I have the, a name of a title? Just invent a, a name of a character. Invent a character for me. Somebody's name? Toby. 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 Uh, we'll make it EY. <laughs> um, okay, great. Uh, what does Toby want? A Anything. A girlfriend. Fantastic. <laughs> great. Now, what is the obstacle in Toby's way to getting a girlfriend? Toby wants a girlfriend. Her boyfriend has just died. <laughs> Obstacle. Dead boyfriend. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing, and this is the whistle-stop tour version. The actions that Toby takes and the choices that Toby makes to overcome the obstacle of the dead boyfriend in pursuit of the girlfriend this is what really tells us about Toby's nature. Very, very simple storytelling tools. Um, so, two questions. What does Toby want? What's stopping him from getting it? So if you were to answer those questions in a pitch, you would have told the person listening to your pitch quite a lot about Toby. Does that make sense? So this idea, that, and one of the reasons why I asked about there being actors, uh, and act, actors in the room, um, simply talking about motivation is a great way to talk about character, right? It's the question that actors ask directors. What's my motivation? Why am I doing this? So giving motivation to your characters in a pitch is maybe a very quick and clear way of, of giving a suggestion of who they are. Okay. Um, story. So story, in my view, is typically where we all get unstuck in terms of pitching. So in my experience, I'm in a bar, I bump into another filmmaker, we're having a drink, and we're talking about what we're working on. And there comes a point at which I say to this person, this filmmaker, so what's your project about? And then they take a deep breath and they say, fade in. <laughs> a horse trots down the street, it's sunrise. Sun glinting off the puddles in the ground. And you know, 20 minutes later, they're talking me through shot by shot by shot. It's, it's a random acts, four minute film. We're already at it for 20 minutes. And I want to put my hand on their shoulder and say, I just asked you what it's about. So the question what it's about may, in fact, refer to theme. Now, that's not to say that we don't want to talk about story in pitches. We do. But if you, there simply isn't time to, to describe 
every scene, every shot, every beat in every scene. And it's so easy to, for a pitch to turn into, and then, and then, and then this happened, and then that happened, and then she went, no, and what? And, and then it's amazing, and it's So just pick a small number of key beats and use connective language. What do I mean by connective language? Things that work like, as a result of this, or because of that. And of course, there are reverses. Just when you thought this was going to happen, actually this happens. But in terms of the balance between speaking about story in a pitch, giving the cut and thrust of beat by beat by beat of the story, versus talking about theme, I would say, talk about theme. It's much more effective, engaging, and I think it's much more insightful about a project. And this thing of telling the whole story, you know what it's like. You, you start off, and you've been talking for five minutes, and you're only halfway through the first act. And it's, I, I think this is something to really watch out for. In these elements, I am not for a moment saying that you have to say something about all of these, not at all. I'm just taking you through potential pitch elements that you might ask yourself, am I going to say something about the style, the aesthetic, the mood? I might want to. What am I going to say? OK, it's a possible element that you might include. Saying something about the audience, or we call it often the demographic, that can be a very useful thing to do. Um, the film industry, and I, I guess TV also, uh, is, is often obsessed with the age of the audience, the age group. Um, I think we may be able to get past that in lots of ways, because um, people of different ages like, may like the same thing. Um, and one of the ways that we can get past it is by giving examples of things that this audience might like or making a comparison to the film that, or the TV show or the web series or the documentary that you're making. So in this case, it's Manchester by the Sea meets La La Land or Jaws in Space. Well, do anybody know what the, that was the pitch line for, Jaws in Space? Alien, Alien right. Quite a lot of information in that, those three words, Jaws in space. So a monster film set in space. Scarface meets Goodbye, Mr. Chips. You know that one? Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. So comparables. That's another thing that you could include in your pitch. Do you have to? No, not at all. But you might want to consider it. Attachments. So here's something that I would mention to you. In preparation for your pitch, do you know this idea of the esprit d'escalier, the spirit of the staircase? That brilliant thing, the most insightful and important thing that you remember to say as you're halfway down the stairs on the way out. So trying to think through what it is that I absolutely want to say. And for instance, if you have important talent attached, if you have some finance attached, or if there are any significant elements attached, that this person that you're speaking to might be interested in, you better say so. And don't remember when you're halfway down the street on the way out. So attachments. Visual material. Well, because we all work in, a, in visual media, 
using pictures, clips, images can be really helpful. And I'm just going to flash through some of these, okay? So um, this is a mood board uh, that these guys produced for a short film. I'm just going to, do you guys know what a mood board is? Or a lookbook? So it's basically, uh, they made this in A3, and they've got a synopsis with some images. If I flash through these, um, oh, there's a piece on the world, and now we've got a, a character pen portrait. Notice that there is a particular color, um, uh, what do we call that? A, a palette, that was the word, thank you. Color palette. And when we break the color palette uh, with the explosion here, it really jumps out, which is a great color trick. Um, you've got more characters going on here and influences. So that's, you might want to put together a lookbook to bring into your pitch or indeed uh, to send it in advance. Does anybody, do people know about steelomatics? So that you might put together something that looks a bit like, well, it could look a bit like a trailer, but you haven't actually shot anything, so you actually steal the footage from other people's films. Handouts. You may actually want to leave some stuff behind you when you go. Um, uh, oh, I've included half-eaten KFC takeaway. Um, that's a documentary, obviously, about um, mistreating chickens and battery hens. Um, but, you know, leaving stuff behind you, handouts, uh, one pages, your script. You, you are, in my view, the most important element in the pitch. And this is really one of the things that I, I would love you to remember. Um, when I hear pitches, I want to hear about you, what you've done, what you're interested in, and above all, what is your connection to this project? It's an incredibly affecting, motivating thing to listen to. When we talk about what we're passionate about, what we love, we do it in a certain way. And I think to leave this out of a pitch, in my view, is a mistake. Because when we talk about, when we talk passionately, it's very affecting. I mean, if we are not passionate about our work, how can we expect other people to feel passionately about it? So talking about our relation to it, why we want to make it, why it's important to us. Honestly, I think you could leave out tons of the other elements as long as you, as long as you include this one, in my opinion. Them. The people that you're talking to, they are an element in your pitch. So, who are they? You need, if you can possibly find out about them in advance, know about the company, know about what they do, know about what they've made in the past, know about what they're looking to make. And it, you know, a lot of this stuff is in interviews and articles on the web. Research. It's really, really important. So you and them, two big elements in your pitch, even if you don't do any of the other ones. Now, I had to put up logline because that's just the kind of thing that pe sometimes people ask you for. It's one simple thing to say. It's a bit like that Miramax executive asking me, what's the one line? Okay? And what can you do in terms of preparation to polish your pitch? I would say, apply the question, what can you leave out? Better to leave stuff out and have them ask you questions. 
because then you're having a conversation. So if I was putting together, me, if I was putting together a pitch, a short pitch from the elements that I've just shown you, I would say I would include me, you, saying something about you, maybe the, what you've done in the past, the awards you've won, the nominations you've had. I would perhaps mention the genre and format quickly. You don't have to go into a big deal about it. I would talk about theme and characters and audience. And if you just do that, you've got a pitch. If you want, you can add in something about the story. But even that is the basis for a short pitch. So I want to just move on, in, but before we do, I'd like to say to you that the three things, if you remember only three things from what I've taken you through so far, it is that you are the most important element in your pitch, that simplicity is not the enemy of complexity, that just because your project is multi-layered and, and, and subtle doesn't mean that you can't say something very clear about it, and that your secret weapon in your pitch could be talking about theme more and talking about story less. Does anybody have any questions or any observations? Yes. Uh, could you talk about the... Oh, thanks. Um, first, thanks for a great presentation. Um, could you talk a little bit about the complications of pitching a screenplay based on a true event and what works or doesn't work in that setting? What could go wrong? Um, I, I don't know what could go wrong. I mean, just to be able to tell people that it's a true event and that if you have, if there are rights involved, that you've got them cleared or that you know that how you're going to go about getting them cleared. But it can be a great thing, can't it, to have a story which is based on, on real facts. I mean, what, what you might want to do is tell them about this extraordinary project and then say, oh, by the way, it's true. Or you might want to consider putting it in at the beginning. Anything else? You're going to have an opportunity to ask some more questions when we talk to Gavin as well. So, yep. Hello. Hi. Um, thanks for your presentation. Um, as you said, there's lots of... Um ways you'd pitch like for different to different people um you might be doing a short one in a pub you might be doing it to a statutory funder and they all take different styles of pitch and you might have to do it in different styles and kind of try and uh yeah uh, tailor it to, to the person you're pitching to have you got any advice about doing doing that tailoring it in different ways or it's research i mean i really think that being able to, um, you know, people used to sometimes say to me, oh, what are you working on the mo at the moment, or, or don't you want to talk about it? You know, and uh, nowadays, I kind of take pretty much every opportunity. If somebody is foolish enough to ask me about my work, I might just take the opportunity to practice what it is that they say, because I, I then find out what it is that piques people's attention, um, what sort of people respond to the kind of work that I'm trying to do. In terms of going to a statutory funder or perhaps a commercial financier, knowing what sort of stuff that they do is really valuable and you can find out so much in advance online. So that in a way, you're walking in the door going, I know that you're looking for this and I've got one for you. 
you know, being able to position it for them so that it's, it, 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 it is in their field. Research, I think, is the answer. I'd love to bring Gavin Humphreys uh, on at this point so that we can talk about this. Yeah? <laughs> Thanks, Fine. Gavin. Hey. Right. All right. So, Gavin, you, you've Actually, made a lot I of... I uh, to jump in really quickly because you yeah. were mentioning that the key thing really is when um, you're pitching is people are most of all interested in who you are an example of this is way down the line after being commissioned to make a documentary. I had an experience once where um, I had a feature documentary set up and I had substantial money attached to make the film. Um, and it was dependent on a, I can't say too much about it, otherwise the director will, will know what it was, but um, it was based around a contributor doing something that we had to film. Um, the contributor dropped out, so I had to take the call to um, call the financiers and say, like we don't have a film now because we're really close to shooting this. You've committed this money, um, but there's no film because the contributors dropped out, um, which is not a call that you want to make. But I, I spoke to one of the, the funders and they said, okay, um, what else do you have? Because we still actually, we like the idea, but most of all, we really were investing in you guys, the director and the producer, because you have, have got a really great body of work and we just want to support you. So I think it's really important to remember that even if you have a brilliant project, it's all about, it's a people industry and people are investing in you as much as your projects and your, your kind of longer term career. And I've found that quite a lot actually as I've gone along. Do you, do you have any advice for people who might be starting out and don't have such a strong body of work behind them yet? I mean, for instance, if they were to go out and mm. shoot stuff on their phone and put it together, do you like to see you know, things like Steelomatic, well, I mean, stuff that they might shoot as demos? Yeah, I mean, I think nowadays, I mean, even compared to like 10 years ago when I was like starting out, out of film school, I mean, there's, there's no excuse not to have some material to show um, nowadays. But I also um, work at Nowness as an exec producer there, and we commission a lot of short films. Um, we're not inundated with people sending us stuff, so I've probably opened the door by saying that. But um, we do get people that we have quite a high aesthetic and quite a high production value on the films that we commission and, and show at Nowness. But we do get people that approach us who are probably not at the stage to make the kind of films that we need. But certainly, um, they'll show like a, a music video that they've made, you know, like a very kind of homemade music video or uh, a short film they've made with some friends. And that's always really helpful for us to see their potential. Um, and as, as a commissioner, you're aware if someone's got, you know, maybe the production values aren't so high, but you can see they're a good storyteller or have a good sensibility, a good filmmaking um, essence to them. Um, and there's a couple of people that you know, have come to us recently that they're not ready, but I've kind of pointed them in the right direction to go other opportunities and to come back to us and we'll track them. Because you know, funders, film funders, broadcasters, they're all in the business of like talent tracking. So it's a long-term game. You know, like my, the feature I've just made is you know, for four years in, in the making. Um, and part of that is, part of the reason it's got made is that Deborah, the director, the writer-director and I, have kind of been on the radar for, for a long time. Mm. <laughs> Finally, we've made the film. Um, but it's, again, a sense that they know who we are and what we can do and what we've done, and they kind of trust us to deliver, to deliver the film. That's the other thing, that people are part of the pitch is knowing, will this person actually make this film? So that speaks to what you were talking about in terms of the passion as well as the kind of substance mm. behind it, that you know that they're going to 
um, the director can fulfill their ambition and their, their vision and the producer can support that and make it happen and it's going to be on schedule, on budget and kind of what it was promised to be. So, so you're, you're speaking to the issue of competence there in, in mm. a sense. So being able to say that um, if, if there are certain concerns about the, you know, um, it, a certain scene being expensive or um, certain uh, challenges, that, that you've already thought about them and, be, yeah. and being able to speak to them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd, I did this um, thing called Iave, European Producers Workshop, a few years ago, and there was a very hard-nosed business person that was um, kind of teaching us producers a mixed bag of producers from all over Europe at how to pitch and present your projects and your companies and yourself. Um, and one useful tool that um, they kind of suggested is using a SWOT analysis, which they use in business to kind of analyze even if it's like a toothpaste or a product, like the strengths and the weaknesses of that. Why would people buy it? Why wouldn't they buy it? And I kind of apply that to projects and think, okay, what are the strengths of this project? What, what um, will really get people excited? Like this, so the feature I've just made for the BFI pincushion, um, the strengths are that Deborah has already made two shorts that are very similar theme um, that show the kind of the, the tone, the style, the, the, her style of filmmaking. Um, what are the weaknesses that we, you know, we haven't made a feature before, so we should have um, a kind of more experienced team around us or just have a very, very kind of precise idea of, mm. of who we need to... A, a big issue that I made, and I never have no regrets, but um, in hindsight, like I was very... When I first started off, I worked with a um, producing partner, Anna, and we were very kind of ambitious and always kind of aiming for as high as kind of high as we could very quickly, um, but sometimes perhaps unrealistically kind of pitching ideas to broadcasters, and we, we weren't really coming from anywhere that they would say, oh, okay, you are an established production company that could deliver this project. And I think there's a great deal of um, great value in partnering up with people who are more experienced than you at an earlier point as a producer, finding an exec to work with, if you're a director, finding a mentor, or a more experienced cinematographer, particularly areas around, I mean, cinematography and editing are cl classically the main areas for directors where funders will want to see that you're working with someone who's more experienced than you that can help deliver that, that vision. So I think it's always about, um, quite often if you're starting off, it's lack of experience, so how do you compensate for that and what else do you bring to the table around, because people will always support a great idea and take a chance on a new <coughs> talent as long as they feel that you have a realistic way of achieving that. So being able to support um, perhaps somebody who, who is a little bit less experienced by attaching uh, interesting and exciting and, and experienced people around them yeah. so that the team is now uh, attractive and interesting. Um, yeah, um, you know, and I've got another project I'm working on now that's uh, a sci-fi um, project. So with that, there are particular demands around, you know, VFX and production design. So you will be looking to try and get the, the best people, the most experienced people involved possible to then prove to... It's very basic, but a lot of people don't do that when they present their projects, is to kind of bring, bring the other partners to the table that can show that you've already thought about these issues. So thinking about all the reasons why... Pe all the concerns people will have, the perceived weaknesses and why they're going to say no, because um, those are the questions they're going to ask you. They're not going to talk about all of the the amazing things that you've already done that mean you can do this. They're going to ask you the questions, the curveball questions about, well, why, how will this work, and what does this mean, and, you know, all those, those things that you have to think about in the meeting. Don't be... Go from my pitch. 
questions that you can't answer and give right. solutions to. That's essentially what I'm saying. So I know yeah. from my pitches, mm. I, I prepare more material than I can use in a pitch. Mm -hmm. So I try and cover all the bases. They may never come up, those questions may never get asked. Mm. But if they are, um, I will hopefully have an answer or I will hopefully have a clip or an image on my phone mm -hmm. to be able to show or printed off A4 images to be able to say, well, no, it'll be a little bit like this. But again, I don't feel um, that I have to show or talk mm -hmm. about everything that I've prepared. Yeah, I mean, I think the key is just preparation, being prepared. There's a fine line as well of you know, not um, preparing your kind of verbal pitch that becomes very robotic and you, know, you have to kind of inject that spontaneity and passion into it. But I think you definitely have to be prepared for every, every question. As I said, I think the main thing is like the perceived weaknesses of your project. Like why will people say, say no? Because you know, realistically they've got, uh, I did a panel with Catherine Bray at Random Max the other day and she's got um, like 100 slots and about 500 pitches. So, you know, she can only do one in five. So how do you make yourself stand out? And the other thing as well is that the ideas will, um, I'm sure there'll be many ideas that are brilliant that don't get commissioned. So it then can be a case of, is it ready to go? How, how, how close are you? Because the other thing you have, just a practical consideration, a broadcaster or as at Nowness or a film fund, they have set financial years where they have to get money out the door. So they'll be looking at, projects that feel like this is this could happen imminently rather than you know it's it's really great but it's still another year away or two yeah. years away from coming to fruition yeah great should we see if there's any questions uh, is there anything that yes there's well, let's start over there yep actually there's a microphone just right beside you um, I was wondering if you just talk a bit more about the, the curveball questions and the, the weaknesses in a project. Are there any questions which have got you particularly over the years? And are there any kind of easy outs that you could suggest to, to some of them? Um, well, I know um, the, a question that I hear from development people quite often is, why here, why now? You ever heard of that one? You know, why, um, why is this story important? Um, Right, you know, in this place, and what's the relevance to now? Uh, so, you know, usually I've just tried to cook up something to have uh, in response, and it's not uh, something I would typically include in a pitch. Oh, and the why here, why now? Answer is this. I just wait for somebody to ask that annoying question, and then, you know, I'll have something to say. Gavin, but it do you, does, yeah, do no, you, absolutely does happen. And even when I think about, for say, the BFI First Feature Fund, like, why is this your why is this your first feature and why now? Um, and being able to speak to, well, this is the body of work that you know, Deborah has made so far and this is the first film. And I think that going back to that, that um, thinking about they're investing in you as much as your ideas, it's like they're investing in a career. So also, ironically, they're asking about, okay, this is this film now that you're talking about, but what's your next film and yeah. where do you see yourself going in three or four years? So they're kind of looking at career trajectory as well. So being prepared to talk about like, you and your future career rather than this like right now moment in this project. Right, wow, that's really useful. Yeah, just thinking about the continuity. You had a question, I think? Yeah, I was just gonna ask, like how long would you say that the term is pitching? So it's not too long, but not too short. Uh, how long is the perfect pitch, uh, was the question. Um, so I think my answer to that would be, um, just before you, you want to end before you've lost the person's attention. 
you, you know, an, an engagement is, uh, I would rather have stopped speaking and be looking at the person and there'd be silence in the room, <clears throat> waiting for them to ask me something, than to just keep going on. Um, so uh, um, I would err on the, the short side. That's me. My um, metric for, or my, my tool for polishing a pitch is the question, what can I leave out? What can I, what is not absolutely necessary? Uh, so shorter rather than longer? Yeah, no, exactly. Just make sure that they, their eyes aren't glazing over. And that, I mean, that one of the best pictures I ever did was actually at a party in Cannes. Um, this happened agent where I just had like two sentences about the, the project to say, oh, this has happened and this person's now on board. And then I just went, walked off so I had to talk to somebody else and just left them wanting to know more. Yeah. So then they were coming, chasing me to find out more details. Yeah. That rarely happens, but you know, you've got to leave. I actually remember, um, I can't remember it was, a really big um, showrunner talking about pitching ideas to broadcasters, and he would always, like, as soon as they were interested, he'd like try and finish the meeting himself and then leave, so then that just left on a good note rather than there's further excavation that becomes less interesting or, you know, more detailed. Just try and end it on a, when they're interested, and yeah. that's it. Absolutely. Mm. The, I think the best pitch that I ever did was at uh, one of those pitching competitions, it's like a blood sport thing um, in, uh, in Holland. And uh, I, I, so I got up and I said, um, hello, my name is David Keating. I'm the director on the feature film Wakewood. It's a film about how much we love our kids, but it's a horror film. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the pitch. Mm. And so I, I introduced myself, I gave the format and the genre, uh, I then made a thematic statement. It's a film about how much we love our kids. But, uh, and then I said genre at the end. And it got a laugh, like, like you did. And, and we, you know, we got interest, we got business. And, uh, and the other thing is that just because you take a stylomatic into an, uh, a pitch meeting, and they may say to you, do you mind if we keep a copy of that? You don't have to leave it. You can put it back in your bag and say, no, we're not, we're not giving that out. A perfectly reasonable mm. thing to do, mm. right? You, mm. you don't, don't have to give things mm. out. Any other questions before we've one. got to finish in, yeah, one minute, two minutes. Yes, sir. Uh, this is uh, a question on branding. You said that uh, you were working with a young director and uh, she had created films in a certain genre and they took you seriously because of that. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd only just started out, so we were commissioning with Channel 4 and we gave them three very different projects. Was that the wrong thing to do? I've always hated categorization. So if people try to stereotype me, I'll move into another genre. Um, I think the, the issue is, is that where it goes, speaks towards like where, where's your career going? What projects do you want to make? I mean, I believe in like, you know, variety and doing lots of different types of projects. But um, if you're pitching a, I'm not sure if I fully understand the question, but if you're pitching a feature film, or a bigger project, which is high risk, and there's a lot of money involved, a lot of people, and you know, it's, it's risky, that you need to have something behind you that shows that you can deliver that you film. You can deliver that project. Um, and you, know, you can show you're a great director by having a variety of different films, but if you're doing specifically, I don't know, a genre film like a sci-fi or a comedy, and you don't have at least a couple of those in your canon behind you, then it's gonna be really hard to get that commissioned. Or what will happen is you'll have to make 
some kind of teaser or a scene from the to film. To show your competence. To show that you can, okay. you can do that, really, I suppose. Okay, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah. So, guys, I think we're out of time. Um, it's four o'clock. Um, thank you all for being here, and thanks to Gavin Humphreys for being here.